0: Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Well, how great it is to be together. We welcome those of you fresh our online campus watching It's going to be great today. We're going to get into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible Word of the living God. How many believe the Bible is true? How many believe it's God's Word and the Bible can't lie? Because God can't lie, amen? So if it's in His Word, it's true, and we're going to explore it today. We're continuing our thought on family matters for this month. It's a great theme. Today's message is called Raise the Roof. Raise the roof. We're going to talk about it today. As we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11, uh, I've been to Israel a couple of times to the Holy Land. And one of the things you find there is that they take uh, some of the Old Testament scriptures. That's all they have. They don't believe in the New Testament. They don't believe in Jesus. many of the Jewish people. Uh, and so they have this, they kind of rate some scriptures as more important than others. Deuteronomy 6 is one of those passages, and it's repeated almost word for word, part of it in Deuteronomy 11, so I'm going to kind of read from both, kind of put it together for you, but it's called the Shema. The Shema, the word Shema is is about, um, it's about an entrance. It means literally hearing, to hear, because it begins, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Jewish confession of faith. Hero Israel, verse 4 says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, what's repeated, what's said next in verse 6 through 9 is repeated in Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 through 21, almost word for word. It says this Therefore, You shall lay up these words of mine, God says, in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Put it on your forehead. Verse 19. And you shall teach. You shall teach. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Those scriptures are written on parchments in the Holy Land and in traditional or Orthodox Jewish homes and placed in little scrolls and put in little boxes or little pieces called a mezuzah. And they take those things and they, they literally put them on their, the inside of their door. Even in the hotel rooms in Israel when you go to the Holy Land, each room has a mezuzah for when you're walking in you're walking through the doorway of the promise of God that when you love him and you talk about him with your family, that it'll increase the blessing on your home. Now, I don't mean, I don't believe it was just to be literally just written there, but it's supposed to dwell there. I'm going to weave in Psalm 95, verse 1 through 3 from the message. It says, come, let's shout praises to God. Raise the roof. Everybody say, raise the roof. raise the roof. Raise the roof for the God, for the rock who saved us. Let's march into his presence singing praises, lifting the rafters with our hymns. And why? Because God is the best. I love that. God is the best. High King over all the gods. Let's pray together one more time. God, we just need you, Father. We come as your children. We come as your family, needing your covering. Would you come today and help us to raise the roof, not only in this church, but over this community and over this nation? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen if you believe it, say another amen. amen. We were talking about family matters. Last week, Pastor Chad Braswell, didn't he do a great job last week? He brought a great word. Yeah, give it up for Pastor Chad. He brought a word, great word, a different kind of kind where he drilled down into the fact he, his opening statement was Mother Teresa's quote, changing the world begins with going home to love your family. And I say a big amen to that. Two weeks ago, we began with this thought on Vision Sunday, that the family is the centerpiece of all culture. That if the culture is going off the road into the ditch, we've got to get back. We can't change it by trying to scream at the darkness. We've got to change it by getting back to the family. And let's, let's be changed as God's family first. Amen. Now, Back in in the day, and I don't want to say how long ago it was, but back in the day, there seemed to be kind of a positive cultural shift at times where the motives came out of the generation that was rising up called the baby boomers. And though they took things the wrong way because by and large, God's church was asleep. But there were certain things regarding parenting, that the baby boomers had seen their fathers and their mothers begin to provide for them financially, economically, building a great middle class, but for some reason, it seemed to be enough to provide financially. That generation encouraged people to be more relational with their children and not just provide a roof over their heads. The roof... Seemed to be very important because uh, I'll just say it this way my parents said to me uh, a lot, as long as you're living under my roof, you will abide by my rules. The roof seemed very, very important to my parents. And then when I had children, suddenly the roof became important to me. And now that we have grandchildren, we actually see that the roof seems to be important to our kids. It's amazing. The roof is simply a metaphor for a covering. A covering is a place of shelter from the storm, a place of protection and safety, a place where you can return to find strength and renewal from the elements of the world, from the harsh elements of life. We have coverage like insurance coverage. We have coverage like, can you hear me now? Cell phone coverage. But the word of God says that God's love, agape, love covers a multitude of sin. Not excusing sin, but saying that within a family, that love covers because love conquers all. A good father, a good home, a good parent provides a covering. Like God, is a pro- He's a- he provides for us a covering. In fact, Psalm 91, where it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high, the word secret place in some translations of the Bible is the word shelter. To he that dwells in the shelter of the most high shall abide under the covering of El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my strong tower, my tabernacle. <clears throat> my friends, it's more than just a house. A Father's covering affects everything in life. Someone sent me in a, a, um, a devotional that shared this story recently. It was a scandal that rocked the British Isles in January 1936. The king of England died. This would have been Queen Elizabeth's uncle. The reason why she became queen is because the, everything kind of switched tracks when following the royal part protocol, the eldest son assumed the throne, becoming King Edward VIII. In fact, this, this is the one that was his, her uncle. But in December of that same year, only months into his reign, King Edward stunned the nation when he formally abdicated his country's throne and with it many of the benefits that come with royalty. As many of you know, he married a divorced American woman. It became such a scandal. What I didn't know was this. The especially alarming thing about it is the phrasing of the official decree which ended in these haunting words as he signed and made this decree. I, Edward VIII, renounce the throne for myself and for my descendants. Imagine, with one stroke of the pen, this man not only sealed his own fate, but the fate of his children and grandchildren for generations to come as parents, we too occupy a throne in that sense. That God has given us a position of authority in our kids' lives. It's crucial that we don't renounce that influence. Children don't need us just to be their friend, do they? They they don't just need someone telling them what they want to hear. They need a parent, an authority figure willing to speak truth into their lives in love. We should, of course, listen to our children and give their views careful consideration. But our kids should not be allowed to run the home. That's our God given responsibility. Let's take the lesson of King Edward to heart. Abdicating your authority could risk your kids' future for generations to come. Understanding that a good father provides a covering, what does that mean? I want to give you a few thoughts about covering and providing a covering, not just from, now this is calling the fathers up, but also the mothers and also the singles and also those who don't have kids. Why? Because we're under God's covering and we've got to raise the roof for the people around us. What does a good father provide for a covering? First, spiritual development. Relationship with God as your own heavenly father is about, it's about getting to know him. It's about getting to know his word. Getting to know the Bible, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the ways of God. My friends, the biblical charge for spiritual growth and well-being of children is first given to parents in the Shema. Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11. <clears throat> it's the number one thing that the Jews have taken away from the Old Testament as a responsibility is to build a home, a household, a family that loves God wholeheartedly, fully, and completely. The biblical charge given to parents, especially fathers. My friends, people are hungry for godly leadership. Right now, you look around the world, there is a vacuum, there is a void of godly leadership. In fact, it's being censored everywhere you look, that the godly that are rising up to say something are being shushed and sidelined and questioned. As the church goes, so goes the nation. God says, blessed is the nation that, whose God is the Lord. But as the family goes, so goes the church. And as the men go, so goes the family. I know some of you won't relate to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Our day off is Monday. We enjoy... That day, we set it aside, we don't do phone calls, we don't do social media, we don't do anything unless it's an emergency. Monday is, Sunday is the Lord's day, Monday is Gail's day. (laughs) We've seen a lot of pastors get ruined by their phones, abused by their responsibilities, so Monday is our day. So Monday night, 8 o'clock, we will be watching The Bachelor. Now you might think it's absurd, and it largely is. But I watch it for the sociological study of humankind. And because sometimes it's just hilarious. This time, is, people, if I, if I have a show of hands, nobody will raise their hand that they watch this. That's why I admit it. But this season right now, is a young African-American man named Matt James. And, you know, they always try to, on that show, try to patronize people and kind of set people up to look ridiculous in some ways. But in this season, we were stunned a few weeks ago when Matt James comes in on the first night of his dinner party and kind of changed the script a little bit. Can you play that video, please? Take a different approach. So, if everybody could just bow their head really quick, I'm going to pray briefly. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all together, healthy. Mm-hmm. Give these women the courage to get through these next few months. You said that you work all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, Father God. And I feel like that's why I'm here, and I feel like that's why these women are here, Lord. So bless this time we have together, Father, in your holy name. I pray. What you'll get to know about me is anytime I'm feeling nervous or I'm just kind of achieving my prayers, just to put my hands because this, is you all are experiencing this for the first time, I'm experiencing this for the first time with y'all. So not you notice that in a nation that talks about feminism? in a world that talks about freedom but brings you into bondage, in the world that says we don't want men to be men and to be masculine, I want you to notice the reaction to 25 women when a man says, I'm going to pray. Most of these girls don't know the Lord. But there was a person, Ah. Then there was a, wow. Then there were tears and emotion from some. I want you to know what the world says they want is not what they really want. Any more than when you have an argument and you're with your wife and you ask if she's okay and she says, I'm okay, but she says it in that way. I'm okay. You know she's not okay. America is not okay. Even though it says it wants this, I'm telling you that the world is desperate for spiritual covering. The world is desperate. Now, I don't know. I can't promise you how Matt James is going to turn out when it comes to fantasy sweet week. If you know what Bachelor is, you know what that means. I don't know. I don't know how godly he is. I know he keeps saying, I'm a, I'm a humble guy, I've I've messed up many times. And, but I just thought it was interesting the reaction. Not just his prayer was powerful, but not just the prayer and the fact that he spoke the word. But the fact that the response wasn't boo, boo. Be quiet with your prayers. Because I'll tell you, that's exactly what the world wants us to believe. Yeah. Sit down, <clears throat> shut up, be quiet. Hold your peace. Y'all have had all your time to talk. Now we're going to talk. But one person comes into the room and says, would you bow your heads and let's pray? I just was blown away. My friend, the responsibility for the teaching covering is for you. The Bible says, teach the word, teaching the word. That's a responsibility. It's Spiritual development and then teaching the word because people are hungry for godly leadership. You shall teach your children. Now I want to say this, there's nothing wrong with schools per se. But more important than public school, private school, or even Sunday school is homeschool. Not advocating just teaching your kids like some of y'all wound up doing the last year anyway, I'm simply saying to you, the most important school is in your home. The most important school is not even, and when I say teaching, when the Bible says teaching here, it's not talking about lesson plans. It's talking about, listen, I realize that may sound strong and scary to the average 21st century Christ follower that I'm telling you that you have a responsibility to teach, but that's exactly what I'm saying. But don't let it be scary or intimidating because you say, I'm no teacher. I'm no teacher. I don't know how to teach. It's more about life lessons. Kingdom principles from the word. Jesus taught in parables, parallels with nature, with natural truth. The kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like a seed, listen, that goes into the ground that grew up to become a mustard tree and provided shade covering, covering. A little seed today planted becomes a covering next week, next month, next year, and in the future. Jesus taught relatable stories from nature and daily life experience. The next thing that we're responsible for is speaking the word. Speaking the word, bring a shift. You don't, have to, you don't have to tell anybody the address of it, but in a situation, when you declare the word, not all religiously, but when you declare the word in a crisis, at an anxious moment. But God, God is still to be trusted. when you can speak His word <clears throat> into a situation you can change the atmosphere. It's not religious rituals and critical attitudes people need right now. No, but they need personal stories of God's grace and power and triumph. You've got to look for those opportunities. Why? Because you have a voice to people who won't listen to me simply because I have the title pastor. You have a ministry, you have a calling, you have a destiny to bring and enlarge the covering, to spread out the covering of God. You're responsible for loving discipline, especially in your own family, in your own house. Emphasize, number one, loving. Loving. People hear the word discipline and they kind of freak out, but listen, when Jesus chose his disciples, the root word for disciple is disciplined ones. Disciplined ones. Disciplined ones. Disciples. Discipline simply means training. You ever had a personal trainer? trying to get fit at the gym. It's exciting. It's, it's awesome. <clears throat> it's challenging, but I've never had a personal trainer say, yeah, come on. You're amazing. Just like you are. Eat more Snickers. Eat more Snickers. Go, go, go. <laughs> never once have I had a personal trainer tell me how great I am just like I am. No, they're always pushing you for more. And that's the, that's the root word for, dis, for discipline. It's training. Some trends of parenting have become too friendly, as we said earlier. Children need parents to parent, to guide. Kids need to learn. Decisions have consequences. There is a right and there is wrong. Who would have thought in 2021 that would be a novel thought? that there are absolute rights and absolute wrongs, and that they come from the Word of God. That the Word of God has not changed just because culture is asking it to. Thank God something remains steadfast and consistent. We can be confident in this very thing, that the Word never changes, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever I love Hebrews 12, 6 from the message it says this, it's the child that God loves that he disciplines, the child he embraces, he also corrects. Boy, God must really love me, huh? He must really love you if he's bringing adjustment. But here's what we have to say to the next generation to remind them, correction is not rejection. Correction is not a backing away. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Correction isn't evil, correction isn't bad. Correction is God showing love. Proverbs 29:15 says, The rod of authority and correction and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The world says, spare the rod, and you spoil the child. Spoiling the child doesn't sound bad because his grandparents we get to spoil our grandkids. Amen. Sounds like it almost sounds noble. But that's not what the word says. The world says, spare the rod, spoil the child. The word of God says he who spares his rod hates his child. Whew. God's word translation says this way, Proverbs thirteen, twenty-four. Whoever refuses to spank his son hates him. But whoever loves his son disciplines him from early on. Crazy that this is a foreign concept in our generation. Remember, loving confrontation is not abuse. Sometimes lack of confrontation is. Those of you who don't like to confront the problems in your home... You might want to think about what the word says. Twice in the New Testament, now Paul warns, both in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. So, it's not to, so there's a line there. Don't fail to discipline them quickly, but no, you're not to provoke them to wrath. Now, will you still have tears and anger sometimes at the discipline? Oh, yeah. Don't we get upset when God deals with us even as adults? Sure we do. But afterward, the Bible says, afterward, say afterward. Afterward, Afterward, discipline yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Brings us back into alignment with the purpose of God. The Bible says, bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord lest they be discouraged. So don't break your kid's spirit Just get to the seat of the problem. My mom used to say, God gave you padding there for a reason. Not just to sit on your blessed assurance. Now the balance of all this discipline is this. We're also responsible for relationship investment. We've learned this principle. It's been in the foundation of this church for over 30 years. Rules, listen to me, parents that are just applauding, getting excited about, yeah, that's right, discipline, amen. And I heard the amens and that's great. I agree with you. But here's the balance that the word brings. This principle, rules without relationship always produces rebellion. 100% of the time, if you are wearing your kids out with the discipline side and not with the loving, holding, relational side of investing in that time, investing in them, investing in personal face time, you're gonna get rebellious kids and you're gonna wonder why. And you're gonna think that we need to do more in the church and the youth group and, and dump the problems on Pastor Tristan and Kristen Kennedy, the student ministry pastors, and say, you need to do something with them. Well, we can only do so much. You have them more than anyone. And let's face it, the school has them more than you do. If they go to public school or private school, we've got to be intentional about relationship. There should be plenty of time to have fun making memories with your kids families need relationship listen there is a relationship bank whether it's between husband and wife parents and kids or even friendships there's a relationship bank you have to make enough deposits so you can cover your withdrawals the moment you're withdrawing more from a relationship than you're depositing you're going to wind up NSF non sufficient funds that's how relationships go bankrupt. Are you hearing me today? Yes. Is this okay that we talk about this from time to time and just get real about it? Because the word is true and I'm going to go with the word every time. Investing in making time to have fun and memories with your kids is not always expensive financially. Times when, we, when, when our kids were small and we didn't have two nickels to rub together, we found creative ways to do something out of the ordinary to bless them. And our grown kids with their kids now share with us that that's some of the greatest memories they have from their childhood are times when we did just fun stuff, sensing that school and pressure and ministry were wearing them out. We would just take a break. Sometimes it was as simple as this. When we got our first automatic garage door opener, we would pull into the garage as a family coming home from church meetings. And I hate to tell you, our kids were at church meetings late into the night many times. I regret that. I never regret having them at church. But sometimes we wore them out. But we would pull into the garage That's okay, here we go, kids. Hit that garage door and we'd say, We'd say, turn and say goodbye to the world for the next few hours. And we'd close. As that garage door would close, congregational problems, except emergencies, would close. And they knew that we were just their parents and they were our kids. Boundaries. Guidelines. Relationship investment. It's more about creativity and engagement. Be there with them in the moment when you're there. The temptation is now, I'm looking at my phone, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at that, I'm looking at the other thing, when I should be engaged in conversation at dinner. Dinner times. My wife and I have been around young people, young adults now, who have never had a family dinner with the whole family. I'm not kidding, and somebody in the room, and somebody watching, I guarantee you, is going, well, what is family dinner? Kind of think of, you know, some kind of TV show, like Leave It to Beaver or Brady Bunch and sit around the table. No, it happens in real life, and we need to make it happen. Give the gift of time. Be present. Toward the end of his life, Billy Graham said his biggest regret was being away from his family so much especially when the kids were small. My friends, time is moving. We say around here, days may seem slow, but years go by fast. So important we remember this. Nobody ever says on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Nobody. Many baby, baby boomers seemed to share a common theme when we were growing up. As I said earlier, that their father's roles were more about financial provision than actual hands-on relationship. There, was, there were songs like Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce about just making up for lost time. One of my favorite moments to think, and it wasn't a favorite song of mine per se, but it was a song that had meaning to me because as I got into my teen years, my father was going for his PhD and didn't have as much time to play catch out in the yard like we did when I was seven, eight, nine years old. Dad was going for his PhD and had a little desk set up in a little corner of his bedroom and had to take some time. We, We worked through that, by the way, by the time I was about 16, Learn to hug. But some of you might remember the song, The Cats in the Cradle. Harry Chape in 1974. Others of you, I can't play it here because otherwise they'll, they'll mute us on YouTube. They'll mute us on Facebook. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sing it for you, <clears throat> but I'm gonna say it the way he wrote it. My child arrived just the other day he came in the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, Thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, "Uh, Not today. I got a lot to do. He said, That's okay. And he he walked away. But his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be like him the cats in the cradle silver spoon little boy blue and the man in the moon when you get him home dad i don't know when we'll get together then you know we'll have a good time then well he came from college just the other day so much like a man i just had to say son i'm proud of you can you sit for a while he shook his head and he said with a smile what i really like dad is to borrow the car keys see you later can i have them please The cat's in the cradle, the silver spoon, little boy blue, the man in the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. You know we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day, and I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure been nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon, when are you coming home, son? I don't know When? We'll get together then, Dad. We're going to have a good time then. You see, as a young father in the 80s, I'd begun to get on the corporate ladder trying to become successful. Before that call to ministry was clear and firm. And we had a film series at our church here in Ocala, that we attended with Dr. James Dobson called Turn Your Heart Toward Home. And I'd become a sales manager. At 25, I had five older people working for me. I saw that film series, Turn Your Heart Towards Home, about redeeming the time as a parent. And I went into my boss. After a lot of prayer, a lot of time with my wife, and I said, look, I don't want to be a manager. I want to be a father. I want to resign from being a manager. I want to go back to just being an insurance agent. He said, we have big plans for you, man. You're going to be one of the youngest managers transferred up to Jacksonville and teaching in the home office. I said, no. No. I feel a higher calling. Many great leaders in the Old Testament struggled with insecurities. Many didn't have very good fathers. Abraham's father was an idol maker. Moses his father's only mentioned a little bit. Gideon kind of left out there on his own. And David wasn't even invited by his father to the meeting of which son might have the potential to be the king. But when God called each, they argued about their lack of qualifications out of their own insecurities. And God's response was this, I am who I am and I will be with you. My friend, God wants to cover you. Jesus, as he spoke prophetically to Jerusalem as he approached, Jesus said, how long I have desired to gather you as a hen gathers its chicks. I just wanted you to be under my wings, under my covering. Safe. Safe. And the elements of the world. It's time to raise the roof. It's time to spread out your life. It's time to spread out your godly love, to love with God's love and to lead with his leadership. Remember, your family, your own kids, your own grandkids, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Let's pray together. Father, would you draw us as your people under your covering? Under the mighty shadow of your wings, we will rejoice. Now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority in the spirit right now over every spirit of abandonment and rejection. In the name of Jesus, we declare the effects of broken homes and fatherlessness has no power in this place, in this church, in these lives or in this community because our God is the father to the fatherless. And the husband of the husbandless. Father God, you are our covering. Lord, I ask you to see inside of every person raised in a divorced home or a situation without their parents being there together or a place where parents were home but not engaged distracted just trying so hard to provide a financial roof over their heads that they receive no covering Holy Spirit we need you you are the one that is given to us in our hearts to Bring about that spirit of adoption. The reminder that we are yours, Father. That we can cry out, Abba, Father. God the Father said the highest thing He would love for you to call Him is Dad. Father. If you're here today, Maybe you're not under his covering. Maybe it's because those issues around your own life have made you not able to really trust fully God as your father. Maybe you don't know what a good father really looks like. That's why you need to know the word. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will in no wise cast you out. If you're here today and you're not saved, maybe you don't have a saving relationship. Maybe you've never really surrendered your heart and said, God, I do trust you. I give you my heart, even though it's been broken many times by others and failures. I give you my heart. I give you my all. If you're here today, you're watching us right now. This is not a spectator sport. This is the moment to repent for your sin to cry out to God, to trust Him, to embrace Him, to invite Him to be the Lord of your life, the Father of your soul. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus or you're at home, I ask you to do one thing real quick. We're just going to pray a very quick prayer. My time is gone, but God's time is just beginning. If you're here today, You say, I need to know this God in a real way. Like a child needs a father. I acknowledge today, I need God's covering. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now? All over the place, just put it up and keep it up. Put it up and keep it up right now. Right now, hands are going up. Hearts are being opened. Lives are being changed. I see see your hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. Maybe on the other side of that camera, or a couple of hands, maybe dozens, maybe hundreds. Just pray this with me out loud. Every one of you that raise your hand, every one of you in the room, would you pray this prayer? Just say, Jesus, I need you to be the covering of my life. Come into my heart. I surrender all of my issues, even my trust issues. I ask you to show me what a real father can be like. Forgive me of my sin. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. If you meant that today, I believe God's beginning amending, doing a fresh thing in your life, a fresh thing in your heart. What begins as a seed can become a mighty tree that produces shade and covering for others at some point. Can you say amen? Put your hands together and praise God if you receive that word today. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.